Broadcasting live from Huchin, occupied Ohlone territory, also known to settlers as the Bay Area, this is Full Circle, your cultural affairs radio magazine produced by members of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program. Tonight we've got in studio the Molotov Mouths. They're a group of poetic fire spitters based in the Bay, united by a single goal, justice. Politically radical and radically personal, their poetry takes on issues of gentrification, gender, poverty, race, disability, and more. With a reunion coming up later this month, the Molotov Mouths are with us tonight for a night of poetry and conversation. I'm your host, Mari Nakayawa. Keep it locked right here on KPFA. Doesn't matter what you've lived through, I'll make you verde in my arms. Verde, que te quiero verde. Green, I want you green. Now, when I say verde, I'm not just talking about the color. And Lorca, the guy who cried these words for the first time, he had other things on his mind. Verde, que te quiero verde. Verde carne, verde pelo. I want your body Green as the last jungle canopy. I want your skin green, your hair. I want your touch. Green like a meadow in the springtime. Now, do you know what I mean? Green isn't just a color. It's a way of saying I'm fresh and plump on the vine. And I'm firm. Mr. Noonday Sun hasn't beaten me down to a pulp because I won't let him. Now, some people say verde for unripe fruit, but... Baby, it's our word now, and I'm telling you I'm verde, not just because I've been hiding behind a leaf my whole life. When I was 16, I thought I'd seen it all. I let boys do whatever they wanted with my body. I let girls say whatever they wanted about my body. I wasn't verde, and I carried them with me. I carried them with me in my tired, swollen body. Pero te digo que estoy verde, verde viviente, green like hot summer rain tearing through your clothes, running down your body. Hot summer rain is verde, and you know I'm feeling verde. Just ease into the verde breeze. It doesn't matter what you've lived through. I'll make you verde in my arms. Verde carne, verde piel. Thank you. That was the voice of Ananda Esteva. She's with us tonight in our KPFA studios along with other members of the Molotov Mouths. They are a highly radical, highly outspoken troupe of Bay Area-based poets. This is Full Circle, 94.1 FM, KPFA in Berkeley and KPFA.org. I'm Mari Nakagawa. Welcome, everyone. Thank you. Gracias. It's so great to have you all. um, My mom is in the corner. We've got Kendall and Aria working the board, Sharon. Um, So it's a full house tonight. And um, I think it's going to be a really great show. Uh, Ananda, can you tell us a little about that piece you just read? Yeah, sure. So 
Um, my dad, who's like read a lot of books, um, used to always talk about Garcia Lorca, the mm-hmm. poet and revolutionary from Spain. And he would sort of just quote a piece of that verde que te quiero verde because those words are his and whether this is true or not i never bothered to look it up but my dad used to say that Lorca had a thing for younger men and so he wanted them young and fresh and vigorous anywho so i just hearing my dad's words over and over i decided to use in a refrain in a poem it just kind of came naturally to me like that Mm-hmm. And also with us are Molotov Mouths, James Tracy, and Josiah Luis Alderete. And hopefully later by phone, we'll have Danny Gabriel. But we're also missing some folks. Absolutely. So uh, Molotov Mouths had, uh, over the years, had many, uh, many wonderful poets that came in and out of, uh, of our van as we toured all over the cu- country, uh, do-it-yourself style. Uh, we d- uh, lost George Tirado, uh, the uh, the great poet, um, to overdose quite a few years ago. Now we had the great Ron Knowledge uh, is now uh, studying to be a nurse in San Diego. We don't know what happened to Soledad de Costa. We've been looking for her to uh, invite her back in. So Soledad, if you're uh, if, if you're listening, listening, we would yeah. love <laughs> lo- love to reconnect. <laughs> and of course, uh, one one member who should be uh, no stranger to any KPF listener is Leroy Moore hmm. from Sins and Ballad. And so um, thank you for that. And we'll go around that was James Tracy's voice. And um, we've also got Nanda Esteva, Josiah Luis. And um, I'm wondering if, if you all could say maybe just a couple works, words about, about what you do, your work, and maybe what brought you to poetry. Josiah? Uh, well, what brought me to poetry without a doubt is my cultura, you know. And uh, wanting to represent it, wanting to wanting to see it reflected back at me, because uh, that's what a lot of art created by Chicanos and other poets of color do. They they create this art so that we can see ourselves and other parts of our cultura in it, because other people don't do that for us, you know. So that was, I think, I really started creating art out of necessity, you know, mm-hmm. in a big way. Mm-hmm. I guess for me, um, I kind of grew up in a neighborhood that I feel like I couldn't fully relate with. Um, and there were a lot of intense things happening there. And um, so for me, like my writing started off more as a fantasy because I just wanted to escape. And I used to write a lot of short stories and just kind of try to disconnect from um, my family or the neighborhood or whatever. Um, and then through time... The interesting thing is I never thought that any experience or story that I lived through would be valid to Mm -hmm. put into a poem or into writing. So I started eventually working with uh, June Jordan and a big focus of her teachings was like writing about you and ethnography and your life and what you see. And it took me a minute. I was like, what? Would anyone ever want to hear anything that I've seen or that I know? But that was really revolutionary for me the idea that i could write about what i'd observe and things like that mm-hmm. absolutely well, it's uh, many different things for me but as someone who's been politically engaged since i was 19 when uh, nazi skinheads tried to come and uh, recruit in my hometown 
Uh, I got very quickly politicized to the left and found that poetry was one of the ways that you could document the people's history in the moment, but you could also reach out across ideologies because those of us who are trying to make a better world oftentimes fight very bitterly with people that we actually agree with quite a bit. So having um, having poetry is a way of signaling to people in your community that we have things in common, that we have these stories, and that we can ideology is quite important in the world, but we can also transcend it through poetry. Mm -hmm. We have a, a fellow apprentice, she just graduated, and she always repeats the refrain, the personal is political, and reading all of your poems, that's exactly what I was feeling. So I'm wondering, um, Ananda, if you'd like to keep us moving with some more poetry. Oh, sure. <clears throat> so this one is going to be a little more um, overtly political. It's about someone I know who uh, was a revolutionary and um, had been tortured but and also in uh, live combat and this one is called butterfly skin i see the green blue jailhouse tattoo on your forearm a butterfly bathing in a deep inky pool bleeding into your yellow skin i remember you told me your butterfly she sits on a scar from their bullet a snag in the smooth golden plains of your arm, raised and twisted, giving lift to her left wing, blurring her blue design just a bit. You notice my stare, and you point to her. <laughs> you chuckle and grin. La mariposa, la transformación. Remember this, you said. It didn't matter how much they tortured me. They couldn't kill my spirit. Fly high above them. The butterfly, she changes the pain that touches you beyond your breath, that kidnaps you and searches you with hot electric wires, turns your insides out. The butterfly, she changes all that hurt into the power to heal, into the power to laugh, to laugh. They can't take away my laughter, Ananda. No pueden quitarme la risa. Thank you so much for that, and it sounds like we're out. Thank you so much for that, Ananda. Um, you said that was uh, someone you knew? Yes, and I'm just keeping their identity, you know, of course, of private, course. but yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think almost all of my poems at this point um, are about things that I've seen or about people I know. Mm -hmm. And so I know you uh, were a member of this first voice apprenticeship program here at kpfa um i'm wondering what were what got you interested in radio and were you already doing poetry and was that a way to sort of to get your your voice out well radio is fun <laughs> <laughs> and um like i still we, we were doing it um there were we were still using razor blades and quarter inch mm. tape so I actually saved some of my masters. I think I still have a couple. Um, but the digital makes it a lot easier. Mm -hmm. um, I just think, yeah, the radio was just another extension of the storytelling, getting the voice out there. Um, and luckily, KPFA provides a platform where many people can share their stories that aren't able to be shared other places. Absolutely. Um, again, that was the voice of Ananda Steva. She's um, a member of the outspoken poetry troupe, the Molotov Mouths. And tonight we're, um, we have three Molotov Mouths in our studio. 
Um, we're hosting what I'll call a preview of the upcoming reunion. Um, it'll be happening later this month, November 26th at Bird and Beckett in San Francisco. Um, so again, you're listening to Full Circle, and I think we're going to take a short break, um, and then we'll get back to more poetry. So stay with us. Que me des tu corazón, que lo como, que lo como chile, sal y limón. Que me des, que me des, que me des tu corazón, que lo como, que lo como chile, sal y limón. Nada me pertenece, nada me pertenece, mi amor. Nada me pertenece, nada me pertenece, mi amor. Te doy mi mano vacía, mamá. Te doy mi mano vacía, papá. In front of the same cafe, day after day. No pressure, give if you can. No pressure, give if you can. No pressure, give if you can. Jesse, he was our no pressure man. And if you put a little rattle in his can, he said, thank you, then thank you again. If you walked on by, he said, see you next time. With the kind of smile that said, I'm going to die with this smile. And you will die with all your things clenched so close to your heart. But that's okay. No pressure, give if you can. No pressure, give if you can. No pressure, give if you can. Stop and talk. And he might tell you about the South he moved north from. Or maybe Vietnam. Or his ex-wife Constance and Alphonse, her old man, might, might come around the corner for another rematch. Because stakes are high with any game with the words love or real estate in it. And they go at it again like Ali and Foreman. But it was all about no pressure, even in the ranks of the spare change Samaritans got unbearable for that small businessman. Even as the parade of perfect lattes passed him by like Ellison's invisible man, never any pressure as the rich built and bought castles around him.
him. No pressure as valet parking took people around that cafe altogether. No pressure as the demonstrations and the mobilizations went right on by. No pressure as the kids went to college or prison or straight to work after high school. No pressure when 20-somethings became 30-somethings and talks of that real sweet record deal became talk of when we were kings and when we were queens. No pressure as they built a new police station right down the block Mm -hmm. in the Pepsi-Cola bottling company's building. And then one day, his milk crate was there. And on that day, his spare change cut was there. But Jesse wasn't there anymore. Plastic flowers just laid there in his place because I am told he finally got tired of so much pressure. Yeah. Yeah. That was from uh, Malta of Mouse of Explosive New Writing, which Manic D Press uh, published over 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, still, still copies are are available directly through uh, through their website. I'd like to just say, in conclusion, that you know we haven't been Malta of Mouse together for 12 years, mm-hmm. and the world's gotten a lot worse. I think there's a connection. Mm. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> Wow, a lot of things are coming up for me after you read that. I'm wondering if you, the other Molotov mouths, have any any comments. I just want to say, James, that poem is still fire. (laughs) And the way you read it is still fire. And yeah, yeah, exactly what James said. Uh, The Molotov mouths need to get back together to make the world a better place. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm in. I'm in. Yeah, yeah. So are we hosting the, the, not just the reunion, but... You might might be able to say this is the official, uh, you could take credit for that, maybe. (laughs) Well, you you came to me a few weeks ago and asked to... to that's true. So, that's so I true. think you you came up with that. All right, all right, all right. I, I, I admit, I admit. But so yeah, I mean, uh, that was a James is. That's just one of the poems I really remember hmm. relating to James and and when I first heard him read that poem, thinking, man, this man right here, he's something else. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was. One of the nice things about the Molotovs is how different we were, but how we complemented it. How we we told a story together, even if it was a series of of um, largely non collaborative pieces. But we would always inspire and pick up on each other's themes. First time I ever heard Josiah read, it blew me away the way that he could just uh, the art of of weaving the English and the Spanish together in a way that really said something deep, deep, deep about this continent, its history, but also where it may be going. Yeah, Josiah, you were serious back then. <laughs> okay, so you cut to imagine it. This is when his memory was more intact. Oh, come but on. No, you were the one that said <laughs> that. I, I remember you. Yeah, his, he would roll into the readings, his hair like four feet long, dark curls. <laughs> but how really, long is it now? It's, it's still pretty long. <laughs> no, no, no. no. Oh, roll into these I have readings no of this. in a rapture, you know, <laughs> these poems fully from memory <laughs> that would just sort of wrap everyone up together in a bundle. And send us soaring. Oh, yeah, I can't. That's I have. I don't know who you're talking about, but that's <laughs> yeah. really sweet. Thank you. That's, that's your doubleganger. Uh, that, no, no doubt, no doubt. He's out there. We're talking about the guy who's going to read the next poem. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, I'll go get him. <laughs> Am I reading another poem? Um, right if now? you, if you want. Yeah, of course. I thought, oh, that was a bad cue. Oh, you guys are telling me to read the poem. Oh, okay, okay. It's been 12 years. It We're off our cues. Can I? Is that is it all right to run over there? Or yeah, I, okay, so we've got just, a we've got a mic set up standing. I guess. Yeah, there's Tell a joke. Knock knock. Oh, let's see. Um, 
He's okay, gonna be ready, ready by the time you think of it. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. I've got the Galleria de la Raza Blues. I said I got the Galleria de la Raza Blues. What is the view of our city turning into? I remember Valencia Street when there was nothing but a long stretch of appliance stores, leather tongue video, and the chameleon bar. I remember using the payphone in front of La Rondaya, hitting pound 911, pound 911, and waiting for my dealer to round the corner of 22nd Street in his van. I remember when El Dia de los Muertos was not a DJ block party celebration complete with margarita tube drinks and techies still wearing their Austin Powers and sexy made outfits because they think this is a Mexican Halloween. I remember so many places that gave you your flavor, San Francisco. They gave you your sabor, your texture, your sangre, your corazón. And now these places are no longer around. I got the Galleria de la Raza Blues. And yet even with a ton of bricks on top of them, we still feel their presence. Sure as the shell mounds still speak to us. We know that these places are still here. I remember seeing the red man, always painted head to toe in red, wandering the mission. I remember being handed a Xerox broadsheet of poems by Swan the Pigeon Man on the corner of Valencia and 16th Street. I remember being told that Oscar Zeta Acosta lived and wrote in an SRO hotel on Valencia Street above what is now yet another pour-over coffee spot. I got the Galleria de la Raza Blues. I remember so that I do not forget you, San Francisco. I remember so that I do not get lost in the forest of reclaimed wood that is lining your insides and outsides, San Francisco. I remember so that I can get out of the way of the Google buses and Ubers and Lyfts that are not driving me anywhere. Mm. I remember so that I do not forget these views that made this place what it is. That part of San Francisco I remember and could afford to live in. I got the Galleria de la Raza Blues. I worry that the Galleria will become a part of these ghost views that I see through in order to remember you, San Francisco. I don't want to remember the Galleria like I remember so many of these places and spots. I don't want to reminisce about the places where mi cultura used to be. I worry about you, Galleria. I do not want you to become part of the gone views that we conjure when we're describing San Francisco. I do not want you to become a memoria. I do not want you to disappear. I got the Galleria de la Raza Blues. Mm. Yeah. So, I don't, for the listeners that don't know that, well, I should have dedicated it in the beginning, but um, that poem is dedicated to Galleria de la Raza, which was a art gallery that's existed in the mission for 48 years and was uh, given a 100% rent increase by their landlord, um, which is basically telling them to leave, you know. And this is a place that, for me, it just symbolizes La Mision and for it leaving, you know, in the Molotov books, we see the gentrification, you know, mm -hmm. and people forget that it's been going on for so long. But but this one, this place leaving and they're they're closed now. They're boarded up. You go by the windows and there's information, you know, but they're not there anymore. And so it's painful. And uh, I hope that people out there recognize some of the places that I'm talking about, because they're really what make up the identity of San Francisco and what we associate with that place so yeah we gotta we gotta do something to stop them disappearing like this because it's, it's just too painful and this one hurts 
and the Galleria, like I said, 48 years, you know, 48 years around there serving the cultura of the mission. And that little Galleria, that little place in 1977 introduced the Bay Area to a Mexican painter named Frida Kahlo. Okay. The MoMA wouldn't do the exhibit because they didn't think people would want to see a woman from Mexico. So the Galleria had the Frida Kahlo exhibit, the first one out here on the West Coast. So can you all imagine walking down 24th Street, getting some pan dulce, some queso fresco, looking in the windows and seeing a Frida Kahlo staring back at you? That's the kind of San Francisco that we, we miss. Mm. Yeah. That was Josiah Luis Alderete. Um, I guess a member of the newly reunited Molotov Mouths, a poetic troupe based in the Bay Area. Josiah, thanks a lot for that. Um, yeah, de nada, de nada. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Where does your culture go when it gets evicted? Yeah. Well, we don't, we don't go, I mean, we, we do leave, but we don't disappear. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, we just, we, we, we'll regroup, but that's a tremendous blow. I mean, they're never going to get rid of us, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, they're never going to get rid of mm-hmm. us, but... It is painful to see this, our places disappear like that. It is. Mm-hmm. And then it's crazy, like, um, a place where that resisted against having, say, Frida Kahlo in, um, like, her pieces. Oh, yeah. Then they have, like, socks selling in those stores. Like, yes. Like... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and little magnets you can buy. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. To, to give the, the SF Momo credit, they did eventually have a Frida Kahlo exhibit in 20-something, you know, <laughs> like, 33 years after the mission did it so Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. well um i'm wondering if we could get in a little bit to um for our listeners like more of um how you all came together initially we talked a little bit before um in the show and i know we have a historian (laughs) sitting with us two of them actually (laughs) although i can say let's see it started with james and george tirado and you were doing the john trudell show right at la pena yeah uh paul paul flores uh from los delicados at the time also was also booking la pena yeah. and uh he booked uh john trudell the the legendary uh yeah. poet and whoever was going to open for john john trudell um wh- whoever uh, <laughs> whoever was going to uh open up for john trudell canceled and so he called and said, hey, you want to uh, put something together and open up for John Trudell? I looked over at George and said, hey, can we do it? And he said, yeah, okay, so we'll get it to- this together in, th- in uh, three days. And he said, what name should I put on the flyer? And I was, was um, reading some some book, probably had was on AK Press about <laughs> riots or whatnot. And I was like, we're the Molotov Mouths. And uh, Ananda, who's been my friend for a long time, came to the came uh, to that gig, and um, you know, within a matter of weeks, we were on the road uh, wow. doing a West Coast tour, caught using our networks, uh, adding new members, uh, getting into trouble all over the place. <laughs> the funny, what, what, what am I missing? No, no. The funny thing was that when you first told me, yeah, the Molotov mouths, <laughs> and I thought you said Molotov mouse, like Mighty Mouse. <laughs> <laughs> And so, little flaming, little flaming raton, right? Exploding right. in different rooms. <laughs> so I didn't hear it right. But you use the Molotov mouths in a poem. So which came first, the troop or the poem? You know, that's uh, that's just going to be a mystery of memory. Okay. I can't tell you, but I will tell you about that. A lot of other people uh, misheard the word Molotov uh, mouths and thought 
there was Molotov Mouse. We, it was Molotov. not. It wasn't uncommon for us to get to a gig and <laughs> find that, find that the flyer that that was used for us actually had a picture of a of a mouse on fire or something like yes. like that. It's just funny though <clears throat> with the state of the United States today. Even having the word Molotov in your group is kind of scary. I just want to be real about that. I'm not. I'm not brave. I, I'm. I have cowardly ways, and you know. It was a little, you know, it's a little nerve-wracking because it just seems like we're in a such a big brother state right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but hopefully we can turn that around and make it empower, continue to make it empowering. Mm-hmm. All phones are tapped, so speak boldly anyhow. Exactly. Amen. Yeah, it says, I think on the back, you have a quote. Um, Molotov mouths make poetry a threat again, which I don't know if you knew at the time that... <laughs> That was going to become a slogan. That's actually a wonderful uh, way to judge a poet, mm. whether oh. a, a, gr- yeah. a government will kill him or not. Seriously. Because that was the dictators, that's the first thing they do. They blow yeah. up the radio stations and, the and they take out the poets. So yeah. if a poet's dangerous. Poets then, are always in exile. Yeah, it's true. Right. It's true. Okay. It's yeah. true. I think we stole that phrase from like a. The, uh, an obscure magazine called uh, Profane Existence that I used to read. Oh. Who, who put, which one, where was that? It was a Milwaukee anarchist uh, magazine that was pretty good, actually. Uh, um, pretty, pretty pioneering for its time. Hmm. But yeah, so speaking of going on the road, that was kind of the fun of it. Um, mm-hmm. Was that it wasn't like we were, you know, going to hotels and doing it the posh way. No, we would just sort of like... <laughs> Pile into some vehicle. It seemed like it would never have air conditioning and just kind of like hit the road mm-hmm. and crash at people's pads. Um, it was kind of we're lucky that uh, James kind of knows so many people all over the country mm-hmm. through organizing work and other things and schmoozing and all that and um, getting together. And we, I don't know, we went to all kinds of crazy places. What's the craziest place you remember josiah i remember the well i just remember going to new york and the the blackout happened when we were there so it was uh it was a couple years after uh um the towers went down and and it took us hours to get to get there and then we had to walk into spanish harlem you know so it was a that's actually my my deepest memory and then reading with the uh welfare poets at the um that church was it was just amazing Mm -hmm. that was amazing yeah and the whole all of new york was like no power for, for like a two two days or something. Yeah. And we were just, it was a great way to see the city actually. Is <laughs> well, everybody was real protective of themselves after, yeah, they were asking if we were cool, if everything was all right. Like the total opposite of all the stereotypical New York stuff you think. It was really surreal. It wasn't yeah. that long after 9-11, right? Because people yeah. kept saying, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. If this was before 9-11, it would have been like, it would have been over. You would have been in trouble, this and that. But you would have been jumped. But since after 9-11, things have gotten a lot more peaceful. I remember people yeah. are saying that. I remember going to the bathroom in complete darkness in I think Thompson, <laughs> Tompkins Square Park. You know, and <laughs> I was like, alright, feeling my way, trying to get there. Um, we had a a really great gig lined up at the Bowery Poetry Club that we didn't get to do because of that situation. Mm-hmm. We, we walked over there, I remember, and mm-hmm. then it was just all shut down. We just moved the show over to the park at night. And it was- we really? went to the New York Inn Cafe too, right? We went that, we were there that New York we, Inn? Yeah. yeah, we went yep. there. Okay, yeah, yeah, I remember. It's all coming back to me now. Okay. Wait, so you had a show in the park at night? Yeah, we just started reading po- poetry at Tomp- Tompkins Square Park with our friends from New York and well, some brand new ones. We also kind of did that in any city we went to. We would we would have a reading, but we would also go into a park somewhere and just like 
break out and read, you know? And yeah. People would just walk by and... Flip us off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that, actually, in, in Boston, that was when it really... We, we got our... We, that Boston's a cold town, man. <laughs> they don't want no Literally poetry in the park. And- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but- I don't remember that. People were mad at us. I just remember yeah. all the red bricks, but no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah I was going to ask if you guys had any, like, expl- like literally explosive interactions reading around the country. Not really? No, I can't. <laughs> As, the closest we ever got to an actual explosion was probably the van breaking down. With it. I think maybe when people hear poet, if they're not mm. hearing you speaking it, they're like, eh. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's kind of how it... Like, kind of was in the in the past mm-hmm. it was more because before the slam movement i think that a lot of poets people are gonna be mad when i say this but a lot of people just kind of roll into a reading and kind of go oh i don't know what am i gonna read today uh, and flip through their book and waste a ton of time and then talk about themselves forever <laughs> right and then i think the slam movement started like shifting that into a more performance based and we were coming in right before the slam movement so i guess um, but we were more performance-based, mm-hmm. so it was a little bit different and a little more exhilarating, perhaps, um, than some of the other things. Uh, but things quickly shifted, you know, in the poetry world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. I think maybe should we go into some more readings? Does anybody have um, a piece they'd like to share? Go for it, Josiah. Yeah, uh, you know what? Uh, yeah, actually, right, you know, we talked about our uh one of our dear members uh leaving us george tirado mm-hmm. so I'd, I'd like to respectfully read read one of his poems oh, that's actually a good idea yeah because before you do that can i just say one quick thing if anybody has like a medium to high re- resolution photo of him we're hoping that um for our reunion show on the 26th in san francisco at bird and beckett we're hoping i want to make like a giant life-size cutout of george tirado to have behind <laughs> us me and Josiah are the only ones totally down for that, but I will do I, it. You, you, I you, you're saying I'm down for it. It's a little yeah, exuberant. I think it's a funny idea, but I, I just, well, yeah. I'm, I'm, all right, I'll help. Why not the George Tirado Piñada? No. What if we do it no. like they, like they did Tupac, you know, where they got the a hologram? hologram you know, yeah. like really if anybody has hologram. those capabilities, yeah, <laughs> yeah, a photo would be nice. A photo, yeah. I have uh, a website. If you just Google Ananda Stevan, you can get a hold of me. Cool. So this is a uh, this is a poem by the uh, mission poet George Tirado, who I hope some of you out there remember, but I hope really do. It's called Angels. Oh yeah. Martin Luther King once said, "I have a dream." So did I, you see. I dreamed in techno blood red and cuz 415 blue. You see, last night I dreamed of angels. Angels. In the early morning, tenderloin crack crawl with split lips and blackened eyes and broken wings, hoping that this next hit might make her fly. Last night I dreamed of angels. Angels. Dirty young man smelling of cheap Cisco wine. He removes his clothing and steps away from his basket. Then does a drunk Tai Chi dance naked in front of God and all the laughing masses. Last night, I dreamed of angels. Angels. A tired old man with yellow stained fingers, dirty face, snot on beard. Hands me his last 20 without looking down around the corner. He's gone. Last night, I dreamed of angels. 
angels. Youngsters tagging, sagging, and flagging great walls with inscriptions only they can read put there unto death. Last night I dreamed of angels, angels, angels floating, falling, and drifting, angelic prostitutes dressed in torn red silk, prom dresses with beat up faces, broken bones, falling, spiraling, floating. They reach for their date, which is death. He dresses in a red tuxedo. He hands them a dead red rose wrapped in a red ribbon. Tonight they will cry, hold him close, and never let him go. Tonight he will laugh and not let them stumble, floating, dreaming on celestial dream music. Last night I dreamt of angels. Angels. Mm. And that was a, a poem by the great Mission Street poet. George Tirado, and we really hope his ghost is still wandering around out there. Mm. And that was read by Josiah Luis of the Molotov Mouths. This is KPFA 94.1 FM. The show is full circle. And we're going to take a really short music break, and we'll be back with you in just a moment. I'm feeling down, you know, I'm feeling low. I'd get so high, that's just the way it goes. They don't tell you when you're young, how much it sucks to be numb. Oh, 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 I'm feeling fine, you know I'm feeling good. I got your him. To my hood They don't tell you when you're done How fun it is to get lost Never forget your place Try to look up cause the answers are in your face Never forget to pray Pray to my God and my mom cause they're both the same I pray for my homies I pray for the girls that feel lonely I pray for you, for me, for everything that's ever come my way. You know at night I pray. You know at night I pray for you. You know I pray for you. You know I pray for you. We vote every day. I'm always suspicious of parties. Republican ones, Democratic ones, green ones, red ones, old ones, first ones, third ones. I have an infantile disorder. It's a simple love of the people that burns like a ballot stuffed inside a Molotov cocktail. I have often clamped a clothespin on my nose and punched the chad and pulled the lever. But really, I believe that every single cook can govern And behind every hi, can I take your order, lies a hidden analysis. I believe that hammers and nails can build so much more than luxury lofts. And the teachers aren't 
the real reasons that schools fall apart. I believe that war is the cardiac arrest of the state and junkies and crackheads have names besides junkies and crackheads. I believe that the rattle of spare change cups might become the tune of a new revolutionary song. I believe that Robin Hood was not the only one who was right. Harriet Tubman was right because the road to freedom must sometimes be walked with a rifle. And I believe that John Brown was right because there is more to life than what is painted white. And Ricardo Flores Magon was right because borders are just scars on this beautiful, beautiful earth. Anyhow, and Lucy Parsons was right because a woman's place is front and center in this fight. And I believe, I believe, I believe that Eugene Debs served this country better from prison than any president has ever done from the White House. And I believe that the most important choices we make are on the days in between the elections. Mm -hmm. The picket lines walked. The homes unevicted. Communities mobilized. Cynicism conquered. Empires deleted. Meanings for once not lost in translation. Kindness given. Love made. And to that extent, you know that each and every one of us votes every single day. Yeah. Yeah. Molotov mouth fire. James, you're allowed to vote. Yeah, but yeah. Um, And I just realized that I've forgotten to back announce all of the songs. So I'll say the one we just heard before James' poem was Duendita's new album, uh, Direct Line to My Creator. It was the song Pray. And then right before that, we had La Doña. She just released her first single. She's from San Francisco, in San Francisco, from San Francisco. And it was Nada Me Pertenece. Nice. And again, I'm Mari Nakagawa. This is Full Circle. We're live in studio with the Molotov Mouths, recently reunited. And um, we want to jump into more poetry? Sure. Yeah? All right. Um, This one is called The Big Ballpoint Pen. At six years, my white-looking daughter scrawled Black Lives Matter on her knuckles with a Bic ballpoint pen like a love-hate tattoo. At one year and some change, her first phrase was, I'm white, mama, and you're, you're yellow. It was the tone of her voice, the flick of her head that made it seem like she felt her invisible power at one and a half, her whiteness, straight-spined, lofty. She needn't say more. Yet at six years, my white daughter scrawled Black Lives Matter on her knuckles with a big ballpoint pen. Cause, cause there's another invisible power in the air held up by all the people out there saying enough to the slaying of innocence, saying enough to the notion that there's lives and there's three-fifths of lives. Mm. Enough to public slaughter. Enough, enough. There's a power out there. And even my white-looking daughter with her house and her stuff, these material barriers, these numbing agents, even she can feel its buzz filling the streets like 30 million butterflies overtaking the complacent, lifting fallen spirits, maybe even my own. 30 million butterflies buzzing like a tattoo guns, a buzz sinking into skin, the sting brings the senses back on board my daughter she dug the big ballpoint pen into her knuckles line by line curve by curve until the words came alive in black ink 
Black Lives Matter. Thank you. Thank you, Ananda. That was Ananda Steva. And um, I really like how you go from the personal to the political, like we said before. And I'm wondering, um, like, I think a lot of people, when they think about poets and poetry, they think about, like, people with time on their hands, just lost in the abstract. But poetry is not a luxury, like a super famous poet said. And I'm wondering if... um, you all could comment on that and on the role that it plays in larger movements. Well, I think um, if you, speaking like a Latinx, Chicanx poet, um, if you look at any of our literature and writings, it, it's all about informing us, you know? So, I, I mean, we, we never, um, it, it's funny that that image of the poet that you just described, mm. because it is very, it is very much in part of our culture. You know, the, the poet that kind of looks off and stares off into the distance and kind of wanders around and wants to stare in fields of flowers. But you know, <laughs> we don't have that luxury. You know, we use our art to inform it and to entertain. I mean, it's entertaining. All of all mm-hmm. of us are entertaining, no doubt. But you know, there's a, there's a deep meaning to all of these words that you're hearing. There's we're trying to inform and and keep ourselves here. You know, so. Yeah, it's poetry is definitely not a luxury. Um, I guess one thing that like June used to say, um, June Jordan, was that um, all your poems have to have a certain amount of love, whether it's a political mm-hmm. poem or not. And I think I try to do that, like when I'm writing and when I present the poem, is somehow bring that love and like let it flow through me and like spit it back out, people. We all need hope. Um, we all need a hug. We all need these things. Um, and I remember way back when, um, when I was in uh, Poetry for the People, there was a reading where I guess later the June told us that one of the pe- people in the audience w- came to the reading. She dragged herself there. She was in some kind of depression and she was thinking of taking her life. But she dragged herself there and hearing all the poets, like, it shifted it for her. And it shifted her and brought her away from that brink, from that pushing herself over the edge. Um, And that she, it shifted her feelings and her depression dissipated. So I don't think she's the only one that could have had an experience like that Mm -hmm. after uh, listening to some positive poetry or inspiring Mm -hmm. poetry. Poetry is medicina. Yep. Poetry is just a part of of, cult, of culture mm-hmm. and and of cultural activism of revolutionary activism. It's just one one small part. Uh, but with that, it is th- there are some parts that are very uh, luxurious. That when you write a poem, when you create a song, uh, you could be doing things like making money, you know, <laughs> which we all have to do. You are taking time away from other responsi- responsibilities, so it's also. Um, there's there's a bit of a, a bit of a privilege there that you have to fight for. Hmm. It's true because I find I never have time for myself at all, <laughs> and so um, it's hard to make that time to to do the writing and to share it. And um, I've recently been inspired by uh, Josiah because he just keeps cracking away. As you're working hmm. toward uh, your own book, right? Well, that's a secret. We can't talk about that. Oh, okay. I don't uh, know. Look, I don't look, know if anyone's listening. Uh, yeah. Apparently, <laughs> apparently, the great poet Tongo Eisenmartin is starting a press in the Bay Area, and I am going to be one of the first uh, 
poets to be lucky enough to be on it. And uh, yeah, but don't tell anybody. Okay, yeah. <laughs> everybody listening, don't tell anybody yeah. else. <laughs> but you heard it here first. But you heard it here first. <laughs> but that was just for play. <laughs> yes, yes. And he's um, hosting, right? Your, your yeah. event. Actually, that's that's great. Yeah, it's the, we're having. We're not only are we just here on the radio. We're actually <laughs> celebrating um, a, a, a actual poetry. We're having a reunion show at Birth and Beckett, and uh, it actually kind of came around because Tongo. Um, I was hanging out with Tongo, and he started to reminisce. Uh, about how he actually taught um, our book in one of his classes. He, Tongo's a, a movement worker and uh, does a lot of work with incarcerated youth. And mm. So he was reminiscing, and then he generously offered to host us um, at a show, and, and uh, Bird and Beckett, the bookstore, uh, stepped up. So it's going to be amazing. It's going to be all of us, as well as Leroy Moore and mm-hmm. uh, Danny Montgomery and a huge George Tirado cutout. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Tonga's going to host it. So it's a, uh, yeah. What, what day is it, Murray? I'm it's sorry. the Monday after Thanksgiving. Th- yes. The 26th. The 26th. Thanksgiving. Bird and Beckett. Bird and Beckett. 7 p.m.? 7 p.m. Until they kick us out. Cause mm-hmm. the, yeah, and that's an amazing bookstore. He has jazz shows, poetry readings, everything there. So if people have never been to Bird and Beckett, they really need to go check it out. It's it's actually kind of an institution. Hmm. Yeah, and, and it's also part of the, one of the few independent bookstores left in the city. So part of the United Booksellers. So. Absolutely. Does anyone want to do another reading? I'll say we keep the poetry rolling so long as we have, we've got time yeah. on the airwaves. Yeah. And also actually, real quick, speaking of poetry readings, I want to plug one that's happening tonight. If any of you people have <laughs> problems sleeping... <laughs> Uh, there is a mic at midnight hosted by Tongo Eisen Martin happening on 16th Street in the Mission. So uh, go on down there and read some poems at midnight. Sweet. Yeah. So. Okay, so this next one is called When Latinos Go Buddhist. <laughs> My father decided to denounce the chastising laws of Catholicism and embrace Buddhism. In order to keep me on the path of awareness, he would say... What's your problem, Ananda? You're so spaced out. You need to be here, present. Take control of your mind or others will. Ah, 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 It's here. He even came up with his own terminology. You know, we should call you Dorpy because you're somewhere else, dorping around. Don't be tonta. Listen to me. Ah, point your ears to this reality. I, I caught you drifting off, Ananda. Wake up. Dorpy. I was a child so used to following orders. I could not say or even make the words that I spaced out to escape him. Thanks. Thank you. We go, we're gonna go. Okay, I should. Uh, I'm next. I'm supposed <laughs> to be the host, but I'm just <laughs> absently mindedly. Well, I feel like I I'm should just read reflecting something. Reflecting on the poem. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like I should read something out of the book, so I, I will. have a joke, and it's related to that last. Ooh, poem. do it. <laughs> okay, my daughter just told me this one. <laughs> okay, <clears throat> one? Uh, what did the Buddhist say to the hot dog seller? Make me one with everything. Oh my god. <laughs> I didn't even hear the joke. I'm sorry. It's okay. It was, ter- was it funny? You can, re- it. you can listen to the show over <laughs> okay. again on kpfaapprentice.org. Yeah. You'll listen to That's right. That's yeah. right. Okay. Okay. Wait. I'm, am I sitting? I guess I'm sitting. Oh, I'm going to try this. <laughs> All right. Uh, this is a poem out of the Molotov books, uh, the Molotov Moth book. And uh, 
you know, I mentioned the Galleria earlier, uh, closing, and um, this is actually a poem um, about the Dia de los Muertos procession and how it sort of transformed and what we as uh, Latinos still get out of it, I guess. It's called Flower and Song Each and Every Day. Simón, pues, it was el Dia de los Muertos. And we were in the procession, drifting along with all the monos and the locos and them everyday smells that normally don't go together, simmering and flavoring that autumn weather. Carne asada and candle wax, drifting past Las Familias, watching it all in front of Bryant Street Railroad Flats. Las Candelas tonight dripping for dead niños, amigos, grandmas y primos who have gone on and on, but for tonight are coming back to us. They are allowed to stand right next to the manic panic dyed hairs and urban street wares who stop and stare at los esqueletos in the street doing their sugar skull jigs right next to the Halloween costumes that have been on since Sunday. It started with dancing up and down Market Street and going all the way to Monday and I'm walking home. I'm part of my home. This is all part of my home in some way. And there's an old cuento from back in the day that says one time the Quetzal Prince, he woke up in a fright in the middle of the night and went to his favorite philosopher with a question, hey, you, how best is truth spoken? And supposedly that philosopher answered him quite simply, my Quetzal Prince, flower and song is the original token, flor y canto es la verdad. Was it an Aztec who predicted that, or did I read it scrawled on the bathroom walls all over at Dr. Bombay's? Even though I forget, I got to try real hard to remember flower and song each and every day. Well, it was El Dia de los Muertos, and we were in the procession drifting along with that freaky musical selection. You had a couple of drunk mariachi bands. You had a ranchera band. You had a hippie with a conch shell and a djembe, some plastic tubes tied to a bone. He had some guy playing a homemade paper saxophone, and we passed by another guy on the payphone, screaming above the noise, talking to La Muerte, telling La Peluda how he's all alone. It can't be over yet. Please don't let it be over yet. We take a ride on 25th, past some vatos sharing a fifth of vodka and smiling at it all in Spanish while the leftover jack-o'-lanterns behind them get carved up in English. And now I'm home. I'm walking through home. I'm part of my home in some way. And that cuento from back in the day continues like this. That Quetzal Prince didn't like the answer his philosopher gave him, so he put on his feathered cloak and went down to the Avenue of the Dead where all the young Nawals sold their dope and coped and copped with life under the fifth sun. And the Quetzal Prince asked each and every one of them, children, how best is true spoken? And one by one they all answered, my prince, a flower and song is the original token. Flor y canto es la verdad. Thanks, Josiah. Yeah. That was Josiah Luis. That was a baby Josiah Luis poem. Mm. That was a, that when do you think you wrote it? Probably in my 20s. So that was a that, that makes me actually shy even reading it. So I'm glad nobody's listening. <laughs> right. I think we only have time for about one more. Ananda, why don't you take us out? All righty. <clears throat> this is my newest poem. Ooh. It's a little story. Yeah. It's called um, El Gato Chavin and the Backyard Barbecue. <laughs> it really is about a cat. Mm. 
<laughs> when we adopted Chavin, stripping him from his brother cat, he cried drippy droppy tears in the car running down his cheeks, gathering on the tuft of fur below his chin like a billy goat cat. Once he got over losing his bro, he was the cat who wanted to be with, especially outside. Chavin liked to chill with the people in the backyard. That was his thing. One day, we had a backyard barbecue. 30 to 40 people showed up, salsa and cumbia beats laying low in the air, chit-chat, hugs here and there. Chavin started working the crowd, a gauntlet of hands stroking his sleek fur. Wow, what a beautiful animal. He cruising slow, dos colmillos poking out of his mouth. Yeah, he was the cat. Barbecue blasting six pounds of arrachera steak soaked in chile and oil and lime. My love flipping meat with meat tongs. I wanted to work with the fire, but that's how we divided the gender roles. My dad told me I needed to let him be the man. And fire and barbecue are guy things. And I complied. At last, we hear the call. Carne asada! It was ready and swooped up on a dozen plates faster than you could say la cumbia sampuesana. Chavin, never wanted to be left out, started chomping down on his own carne asada of sorts. I guess the vector guy from the city was right. We did have rat's nests scattered about the yard. <laughs> so while everyone else was chomping down on their carne asada tacos, eyes bulging with pleasure, Chavin started popping pinkies. Pop, 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 one by one, little baby rats. Sitting up tall, grinning, watching everyone get their meat on. I watched him, mostly not grossed out. I had worked on farms shoveling crap. I had changed bedpans. I could still eat. My love saw it, too. Pop, pop, pop. Another pinky down. Chavin just grinning, watching guests eat meat feverishly. Con tanto gusto de tragar. Maybe no one will notice. But then it happened. A sprinkling of meat migas unfurling from open mouths, arms long, fingers pointing. Then came the shrieks cutting through la pollera colorada. Ah! My love looked at me with resigned compliance. He grunted out, Chavin, vete de aquí, get out of here, boy. He proceeded to calm the crowds. It's okay, he's gone, bad boy. And the music seemed to swell and the fervent eating back into effect. Some people still whining about it, though. Did you see that? Ugh, disgusting. Me and my robotics uh, self started saying, well, aren't we eating meat, too? And uh, isn't he just copying us and... He just wants to belong, but sadly, isn't that the way? We point fingers, heads flipping side to side, spine straight, superiority engraved in our bones, admonishing others for doing the same thing we're doing, often at the same moment. But when we're doing it, it's righteous, it's necessary, logical, and what they're doing, well, it's ruthless, reckless, feckless, heathen, and altogether wrong. And at those moments when people get all pituco, I just think of my little cat Chavin, the cat that wanted to be with, slow cruising through the crowd, rubbing on legs, swinging his tail to salsa beats, eating meat, just like everybody else. Ananda Estevo with the rest of the Molotov Mouths here on Full Circle, 94.1 KPFA. We're with James Tracy, Josiah Luis Alderete. Come by their event um, November 26th at Bird and Beckett. Bird and Beckett, be there, por favor. 7 o'clock. And tonight at midnight, we've got... Mike at Midnight, 16th Street at The Lab. Be there, too. The Lab. You've been listening to Full Circle on KPFA. You can find this in all of our shows, kpfa.org. Tune in next week and... 
thanks to our executive producer, Miss M, our technical director, Freewell and Frank Sterling. Joy Moore is our production consultant. Thanks to Ari on the board, Kendall, a.k.a. Kenny C, our tech assistant.